This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everyone, I'm Chris. Good greetings. I'm Good. Jesse. Good greetings to you too, buddy. <laughs> and who else do we have here today? Who managed hey, to sneak um, in on this today? The Kiwi, Matt the Sophie. Kiwi. <laughs> Good friend of the podcast, Matt Sophie's here today. Uh, we got to bring him back to guest for, for today. We haven't had a guest in a while, so we figured, you know, change it up a little bit. Ah. Speaking to us from the future. Yes, yes. literally. literally. 16 hours or 18 hours, you said, right? 18 hours. Like, it is, we are recording this on Friday. 16 He's speaking hours. to us from Saturday. 18? 16. 18. I can't do my math. Right? You said 18. 18. Don't lie. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I thought, well, I thought I was going crazy. It's really cool that Zoom can Zoom all this, sync it all together, even though he's in the future. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> my mind's blown. I know. I'm telling you. No, I, there's like no lag either. It's amazing. Yeah. Guys what's, on the other side the of the world we- right now. What's the weather like tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> sunny. Doesn't get old. Doesn't get nice and warm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have an hour of this, so just <laughs> strap in. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> and it's summertime there. Yes. I'm looking at snow out of my imaginary window. and uh, Yeah, I, I came out of it was in it, we broke 50 the other day. Um, and so a lot of the snow melted. And so today I was wearing my flip flops. Uh, because you wear the flip-flops even in the snow yeah that came up in a work meeting the other day too and someone said yeah we we all have one person in the department who wears (laughs) flip-flops well i i I came out of my basement the other uh, today and i i don't know why i went up my basement stairs outside but where they come out it's like right in the back of the house and so it's always shaded and so I literally like stepped out and it's still a foot of snow out there. <laughs> and I was wearing my flip flops right into it. Uh, Pretty pleasant. Not the first time. Won't be the last time. Yeah, no, that is, that is true. This is a feet, true story. My feet were fine. So, well, anyways, <laughs> welcome everybody to the premier international geology podcast. Now, thanks to Mr. Sophie over here, making it a, a global event this week. Um, so, we got uh, we got a couple things we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about today. So Matt's here. Matt lives in New Zealand right now, as you can tell from the. Did we say that or yes, we already said that we, he's from living in New Zealand right now. We'll talk about New Zealand geology coming up, but first, just kind of wanted to start off real fast, give a little little shout out to um, a fan out there. We've been um, we've been in the past we've been talking about some glacial terms, especially some stuff from Iceland. And uh, uh, let's see, our a friend of the podcast, how do you pronounce his name again? I'm going to mess it up, so I apologize. You can also correct us later. Snjalfjör. Uh, I thought it was Golfjör. Ah, anyway. Yeah. We've been working on this. S N J O L F U R. Anyways. Friend of the podcast here uh, sent some really cool uh, 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 audio pronunciations. Audio, yeah. yeah, audio clips 
of some of these uh some of these uh glacial terms that we've been uh talking about on the podcast over the uh within the last couple of weeks or so so we figured why not give it a shot try to try to pronounce these properly after after hours and hours of research here trying to you know practice this and, and work on these pronunciations um let's let's give it a shot so who <laughs> you guys want to start this off uh I mean, no uh, <laughs> i will i because i i butchered them so i'll i'll take responsibility I okay was, so I'm, I'm gonna mess them up again <clears throat> so i think part of it is how we were using them right so uh, el, el, we were saying eldfjall and yokult yokult um, we were using for volcano and glacier, respectively. And part of it was El- El- Eldfjall. I'm not doing that justice. We were using for volcano because it's the name of the volcano on Jaime, right? I think that's why we were talking about it. Yeah, and it's it's a little more Eldfjall. 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 Like, yeah, like yeah. A, a little yeah. harder end than the all. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and... Um, because eld eld is fire and and fjall 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 is uh is mountain and so we were just but apparently in in um the the term we we were sort of looking for um what was the term we were looking for i lost it now well, that, uh, we were right on Eldfjord, right? Eldfjord. Eldfjord. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, Jokul for glacier. That was the one, yeah. That's yeah. the Because um, usually that just means any sort of ice or, or moving body of ice. What we were actually looking for. Oh, man, I forgot to practice this one. So who wants to take it? Well, yeah well the first off the 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 first term you were saying let me try this it's pronounced yokohleep 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 yeah yokohleep yeah okay <laughs> i think that's about as good as we're going to get <laughs> yeah and then but the other term is uh we get the pronunciation scridio hook scridio scridio hook yeah. I, again, we we apologize. Um, we'll We're trying. We're yeah. Trying. We'll practice some more. Um, how much uh, how much money is in the budget for us to just actually do this immersively? We can just go to Iceland. That's um, the best way to learn a language. I think uh, we have enough money in the budget right now to watch a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, All right, I'm on it. Let me try this one more time. The oh man, let's see here we go. Skididio cook. Uh, that means glacier in Norwegian. Norwegian? Which, no, no, no. Icelandic. Icelandic is glacier. Oh, sorry. Icelandic. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isbury okay. is, yeah. yeah, in Norwegian. Um, we all speak uh, Norwegian. Come on, cro- Creeping ice. <laughs> creeping or crawling ice is what that means. Yeah. So, yeah. Creeping and crawling. Yeah, yeah, yes, yawn. So, so Jokul is ice. And so I guess the screwed part of it is creeping, right? Screwed uh, yeah. it real. Screwed. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Get it? Creeping it real. Creeping it real. 
<laughs> Anyways, tagline of this episode. Truly international <laughs> podcast here today. We're we're really doing our best, hitting up. Well, there are there glaciers oh, in in, uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, on the mountain. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mountains, Abs, right? yeah. Yep. Well, Alpine North, glaciers. North, North, and South Island actually. What? Mm. Yep. From the there's uh, yeah glacials on glaciers on the there's a there's a big volcano here on the North Island um, called Rupehu. That one has a couple of glaciers on it that last the year round, and then on the South Island, massive glaciers in the Southern Alps mountain range, and we'll probably talk about that a bit later. But uh, yeah, do you ever go skiing? Cool. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, you can ski yeah both North and South Island, but the South Island skiing is pretty magical. It's, you know, views looked like Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings, which was uh, a little plug there for New Zealand film industry filmed, <laughs> filmed here in New Zealand. You don't say ah, you know. So, well, anyway, so Ed, thank you so much for sending out uh, the um, the the Icelandic pronunciations. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, so let's let's move on to the New Zealand stuff, I guess. So, Matt, what what's your what's your specialty? What's your background in? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I know these guys, the, uh, the three amigos from temple. So that's where I did my uh, bachelor's degree. Actually, we can start way back. You know, so I was born in a small town, (laughs) (laughs) but actually Jesse and I are from, from the same town in Pennsylvania. So I should probably point that out. Um, yep. And you probably talked about that in your coal episodes, but I don't think we're talking about those anymore. But we can. Yeah. We can. <laughs> we tend to talk about call in every episode. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, Matt, you. I sent you an email. Don't mention Cole. Come on. Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from from Pennsylvania, I did uh, did my my bachelor's at Temple University. So that's where I met these three guys and and uh, Maddie as well when he was the chemistry department. Uh, and then now I work in the geothermal industry. So I. Moved here to New Zealand about a year ago, so I work for a geothermal power company here uh, located on North Island, and you know we take sit sit on top of a volcano and which provides heat, which makes steam. We extract it out of the ground with wells, and um, steam turns a turbine and generator, and we make green renewable electricity. So that's how I am here today. So Matt, for people that are interested in getting into the the geothermal field, what what would what should they try what, what should their background be what type of classes should they take and and what uh yeah what what what, what should they do academically if they're interested mm-hmm. in getting into the geothermal industry uh so geothermal kind of pulls from multiple disciplines in earth science so you know you know you definitely want to start by just taking all the typical requisite classes in undergrad so you need a bit of hydrology because you're studying how water moves to the ground and how it changes phase to steam you need a bit of uh, mineralogy because you need to know how that hot water changes the rock composition under different temperature and pressure conditions. Need a bit of structural geology to understand how faults and cracks move those fluids around. Geophysics, because we can't always see everything in the subsurface. So geophysics helps us to do that. Um, so yeah, bit of everything, bit of a generalist. All right, cool. And so how long have you been in the geothermal industry for now? Um, I started in 2012, so okay, almost 10 years, almost 10 years, man. Yeah. Time flies, doesn't it? Crazy. Time flies, That's man. A, so you, cause you started working, you were in Nevada uh, originally, right? Yep. Out in Reno when you got your first gig, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, as you know, you know, in uh, the East Coast, Pennsylvania doesn't have any active tectonic margins. So there's not a readily available heat for conventional geothermal, which turns hot water into steam. Uh, uh, so I've we always just talked about this with last week or two weeks ago. There are hot water springs on the East Coast. And I had no idea. So oh, Alabama well, and West Virginia. Well, Virginia. Uh, yeah. Or Virginia. Hot, hot springs and war springs. They don't un- really understand how that works, though. Yeah. Mm. But like, that's well, very enigmatic. Yeah. Blue, blue it's, mind a, mind. Anywhere where you can get water circulating deep through faults and cracks, it can get hot, you know, because the earth is it's hot everywhere at tens of kilometers down. But uh, near the plate boundaries, those, you know, those faults and cracks tend to be a bit more active and open. So it's easier for the water to get down there. And then as a result of that, that water over geologic time brings heat much shallower to the surface. So you can uh, you don't have to drill quite as deep. So I've always lived on plate margins for work. (laughs) (laughs) And I should give a plug here. Uh, We've had Matt on in the past before uh, pre pre hiatus. Yeah. October of 2014. And you were in, I want to say Indonesia or the Philippines. You were on Mount Cinnabon. We were talking about Mount Cinnabon. Yeah. You were working. Yeah. I was working in Indonesia. So I was traveling back and forth between uh, Sumatra, which is uh, the furthest West Island in Indonesian archipelago. And then I was living in Reno at the time, but yeah, full disclosure, there may have been some incorrect facts on that podcast, but uh, yeah, definitely give it, give it a listen, you know, (laughs) pop your questions in and I'd be happy to answer them now with the, you know, uh, six or seven years more experience. So yeah, if you you check us out on Google podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it's episode 15. I think it was. Yeah. Ooh, early wow. days. Early. What days. are we? Is this episode eighty-three? I believe be, that's correct. Might be eight. Episode yeah. eighty-three. Wow. Yes. Time flies. All right. So, Matt, New Zealand. Tell us yeah. everything you know about. No. <laughs> All right. I can, uh, no, I can start off. Like, can we start off like tectonically? So, big picture. Yeah. Right. What's What's the tectonic setting of of New Zealand for people that are completely like, uh you know, in the dark on this topic. Okay. So, uh, you know, as we, as we do some explanations, I'd say when you're listening to this, you know, you can pause a podcast, Google maps <laughs> and things. What? And uh, it would be good to do that because, you know, not everyone knows exactly where New Zealand is. So I'll try and annotate these things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can follow along with the map, pause, replay, pop your questions in. So, uh, yeah. So to answer Chris's question, uh, New Zealand lies along the boundary of the Pacific plate and the Australian Indian plates. So um, many of you are familiar with the ring of fire Pacific plate uh, and it's, it's ring of associated volcanoes and faults around it. Yeah. Johnny Cash did a song about it. <laughs> he did. What came first? Geologist. <laughs> what came first? Johnny Cash's song or the geologic term of ring of fire. Do Ooh. we know this? Ah. Oh, Johnny Cash's song was pre plate tectonics, but they probably had the ring of fire before plate tectonics. So I don't know. Johnny Cash geologist. We'll put that out there to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you know the answer to that. <laughs> so the Pacific plate, as you know, is oceanic crust. So it's thin. It's, um, made of mafic minerals, so it's quite dense. It tends to subduct underneath lighter, denser continental plates. Mm-hmm. So the Pacific plate in New Zealand subducts beneath the Australian Indian plate. So that's on the North Island of New Zealand. We have a conventional subduction zone where the plate is subducting underneath 
and uh, behind that trench to the west is a, a chain of volcanoes that's forming. And actually, that chain of volcanoes is where I work. Well, hold on. Mm. What about Zealandia? So Zealandia, we want to go there. Well, we did a whole episode on it. Episode 56 back in August. Ah, tell uh, me about Zealandia. I'd have to play that. You'd be surprised. We, when we came back, like 50% of the, the listener questions was like, tell me about Zealandia. Like yeah, every, everything else is all this. over the place. But then mm -hmm. half of the people were like, so what, what's up with Zealandia? It must have been in a like an emerging topic in geology. I think it <laughs> was. There, there was a new paper because it came out in mm. an orig the original concept came out, I believe, in the 90s. I yeah, like say, the late right? 90s, like 98 oh. or something like that. I think it might have been early 90s. So anyway, yeah, yeah. sometimes in the 1990s. Oh. But there was there was a new article in the news. I guess it was making making uh, way around the, the science websites and stuff like that about kind of, they're kind of pushing it forward a little bit about the. Well, there, there was that. Uh, horrific eruption in 2019 i don't know maybe that kick-started it yeah but, um but anyway so do, does your work refer to it as like the pacific plate and the australian plate or do they do they talk about zealandia do they do they refer to it as zone plate yet they um, so we we refer to it as the australian plate okay uh and to, to my knowledge the zealandia is um something it's a series of accreted terrains that are shoved onto the side of the Australian plate. Huh. And so those accreted terrains start at the Cambrian 500 million years and go to the present. So the Australian Indian plate was attached to Gondwana land. So they were that uh, supercontinent that was attached to Antarctica. They all kind of split and shuffled around and then, um, so New Zealand's always been kind of on the side of that plate. So it's got a bunch of sediments that were shed off of different uh, origins or uh, mountain ranges and then shoved on metamorphosed and kind of crammed onto the side. So yeah. that's and Australia being as old as it is. It's like psh, 500 million. <laughs> yeah. And then they didn't get along. Yeah. They didn't get along so much that there's a failed uh, rift in between New Zealand and Australia as well, that they've, mapped out with geophysics over the ocean floor huh, so you can you can check that out very cool about that the, yeah. the idea of accreted terrains is something that's sort of interesting because i was just in my physical geology class which is teaching this where i teach plate tectonics <clears throat> and we talk about like oh crust is formed at mid-ocean ridges it's oceanic mm -hmm. crust and crust is destroyed <clears throat> at subduction or recycled or whatever you know yeah yeah at subduction zone and it's always oceanic crust so if you're only creating oceanic crust and you're only destroying oceanic crust where does continental crust come from yeah it sort of leads into the idea about accreted terrain where oh. uh, during subduction you get parts of it that sort of get scraped off or get you know uh detached and, and whatnot it's not meteorites or it's not uh, it might be meteorites <laughs> or it's yeah. like I, I do talk about like fractionation of the magma <clears throat> from you know the volcanism at subduction yeah. zones yeah and i guess i should clarify i the accreted terrain is probably not quite exactly the word because you know in the, on the west coast accreted terrains are little island arcs that eventually kind of got shoved on over various trenches and subduction zones and scraped whereas new zealand is gray wackies and metamorphic sandstones um 
hmm. you know, t- turbidity current type deposits that have just kind of been shoved on to the, to the continent. So it's not quite a Greek accreted terrain, it's, but it's almost like a, <clears throat> it's like the melange where, right. Yeah. Where okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, Pacific plate subducting underneath the Australian plate on the North Island. And then that plate boundary then cuts through New Zealand. And as you go south on the North Island, uh, the, the southern tip of the North Island is where the capital is. It's a city called Wellington. It's quite beautiful, um, very active fault area. And so in that zone, the subduction is transitioning to right lateral strike slip faulting. So you're now having a transform plate boundary on the side of a subduction zone. So that right lateral strike slip fault on a large scale is called the Alpine fault. And that is that strike slip fault is constantly accumulating stress because of the subduction zone. And then occasionally it ruptures which has resulted in several very large earthquakes in human time in New Zealand, which have caused mm-hmm. quite a bit of destruction. Uh, some pretty famous ones were uh, in the 1930s, the city of Napier was destroyed and then later rebuilt in 1930s Art Deco style. So it's a pretty cool architecture in that downtown area. Oh, no kidding. And then, yep. And then probably the most famous earthquakes are uh, between 2010 and 2011 that happened in Christchurch, which is the largest city in the South Island. Uh, so in September, 2010, there was a, a large earthquake that struck uh, a bit away from Christchurch, but damaged a lot of the older buildings. So yeah, it was, it was pretty big, right? It was like yeah. an eight or something. Yeah. I think it was like a seven or an eight. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, you know, the geophysicists can probably correct me, but that's pretty high for the uh, magnitude you can get on a strike slip fault. Um, but there's a component of, you know, subduction type uh, stress vectors that are allowing more, more stress to build up, resulting in much larger earthquakes. So uh, because New Zealand, you know, it's, it's, you know, didn't have a lot of modern engineering associated with its buildings. A lot of them were brick and mortar buildings. So they were completely destroyed during that earthquake. And then later in February, 2011, there was another earthquake that uh, occurred and it didn't actually rupture a fault on the surface, but it occurred in the subsurface. And it was just east of Christchurch and it shook the city so much. uh, The buildings that were already damaged, many more of them were completely destroyed after that. And then Large parts of the city were built on a floodplain, so the those neighborhoods suffered intense liquefaction. So the you know whole neighborhoods were just completely inundated with mud that, you know, when it hardened was like the consistency of cement. Wow. Oh, so yeah. for oh, guy, Justin. I was just gonna say I was looking at pictures of the liquefaction. You can see cars <clears throat> where they're like up to their tires, and they're just like it, it looks like a solid surface, but it was liquefaction where they sunk into it. It was it wasn't as as magnitude powerful as as you um, six point three, which oh. is it's. I mean, that's pretty. Oh, six point three is pretty big, but it's, it's strong it's, for. Yeah. There was a 7.1 on the Can- the Canterbury earthquake the year before. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the one I was thinking of. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which is um, big. so real fast. We should just mention um, what the term liquefaction means in case there's people listening that don't know that term. That just means um, so when you get an earthquake, um, uh, you get these uh, in areas where you have this like this fine grained sediment when the the seismic waves start 
propagating through that that fine grained sediment, it kind of acts like quicksand, and it's it's very unstable. Buildings will sink down into it, and it can do a lot of structural damage. So that's that's what liquefaction is. Yeah, yeah, and so you don't want to build on top of floodplains if you're in an earthquake prone area. Yeah, yeah, it's and that's what also like messed up um, like San Francisco in the when did they get that nineteen oh six six yeah well, yeah and and more so I mean nineteen oh six was the resulting fire but <clears throat> Loma Linda yeah. in eighty nine yeah they it was a lot of they had infilled a lot of the like the bay area and built on top of it mm. so you have that sort of. Yeah, and you can you can look the US the USGS has great hazard maps. They essentially um, you know, and I'll teach about this stuff, you know, uh those infill areas, the USGS literally has maps that says like this is really dangerous to live here. <laughs> but meanwhile, like a mile away, if your house is built on bedrock, you know, not dangerous at all. And you can also see like destruction maps and, and it's not just like a radiating circle away from the earthquake. It depends on what you're built on. Like some areas really far away will be totally devastated. Whereas other areas really close will be fine. And it all depends on, you know, what, what the building codes are, what you're built on. And yeah, there's, there's a famous, famous photo of, well, if you ever look, if you just do a quick Google of like um, the Anchorage earthquake in, in 1963, you'll see, you'll always see that classic. It's a department store and the, the street level has just dropped way below the entrance of the department store. <clears throat> and it's because it's built on permafrost. And so the shaking heated up the ground and, and melted all of the frozen water. And so the, the ground essentially became liquefied. And so it destabilized everything. But I, whenever you say don't build on floodplains, I think of the, do you know the famous picture of like the apartment block? I want to, it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, that was Japan, Japan or some or Russia and the entire building, the, this entire apartment it, building is tipped over sideways. The building is fine, but the ground became unstable. And so the whole building is sort of lopsided. There's a the skyscraper in Taiwan, but I'm thinking of this apartment block. I know the exact, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I know the exact uh, thing that you're talking about. Um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. But uh, there's actually a lot of pictures of, of oh, here, I found it. I'll uh, put it in our chat here, yeah. but. Um, we'll post these on the, on the. Yeah. Yeah. Website. So there's a, uh, there's a there's a lot of pictures of, of buildings kind of getting all crooked from uh, the liquefaction. So yeah. circling back, um, do you ever get nervous, Matt, drilling into volcanoes <laughs> to, to get hot water? It's like a it's like a disaster movie. Like, I mean, wow. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I feel like this is like a Doctor Evil plot. Mm. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's always. That could always happen, right? Um, but you know, probability is probably low. But I could, you know, offhand say that there's two published instances of geothermal wells drilling into uh, magma. You know, probably uh, so probably dikes that were intruding along faults. And what's the result of that happening? 
Uh, so I guess I should say the two instances of it happening were once in Iceland and at the, um, I can't pronounce the name of the field. It will come to me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's a field in Iceland. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, but, you know, so I guess like the person in our department had pictures of it on their door for a while. Right. Like, oh, oh is this yeah. a crater or is this a really bad day drilling? Yeah. And uh, so I guess I should say when, uh, when that happened in Iceland, um, it didn't actually result in a, a catastrophic event. Uh, it's not, not quite as sexy as, as you would think. Uh, and I should say, actually, I just thought of the name. The name is Krafla, K-R-A-F-L-A. Uh, people wanted to look it up. Um, yeah, so when that happens, you know, you're, you're, you're drilling pretty far down. So, you know, several kilometers or a couple of miles down. And, you know, when they're drilling, they use drilling mud. Uh, so that's heavy weighted fluid. So it's got actually a lot of force on it. You know, it's able to push down. So the magma actually doesn't come blasting out of the well like you would, <laughs> you would think in a science fiction disaster movie but what does happen is the drilling bit uh can get stuck so it can kind of punch punch through the crust of the the magma where it's hardened and then and then kind of dive into the new material and it could get stuck um and then in iceland what they found was they were when they so the the drilling they break the rock up into little bits and circulate it out with the with the drilling mud to the surface and they could see volcanic glass and so basically what was what was th th uh, thought to be happening is that they drill into the new magma, it quenches with the cool drilling mud and then turns into glass and they bring it up to the surface. So oh, that's yeah. that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah. So I imagine your drill bits like shot after that and whatever, whatever type of uh, piping you have down there, that's all. Just, yeah, it does. I imagine it the does whole thing get just gets hot. gummed up, you know, and it's yeah, just do, like, do you have you gotta, to abandon that board yeah, then, exactly. or do you? So, yeah, I think, uh, and I, I can pop the, the published papers in there, but in Iceland, they, yeah, cemented that section of the hole back. So they plugged the hole and then they drilled off in another direction to, uh, to fix it. Okay. So, and, and that is a big, I mean, these holes cost millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, this is, this is not just like you're, you're drilling a hole in the backyard to, to, to put in a water well. This yeah. is like, uh, like Matt said, miles down, kilometers down at multiple millions of dollars each hole. So if you yeah. screw up, that's that, you know, that could bankrupt you. I, I yeah. feel like I remember one time I was on a drilling rig and we were, we were just we were drilling shallow, you know, looking, the purpose was look for aquifers, but I was there to look at just sediment. Uh, and we lost the, the, the hole collapsed on us. And so we lost like the rods and we didn't even bother trying to get them back up. Mm. And I was like, shouldn't we try and pull those out? And the, the one guy was literally like with his foot kicking dirt over the hole. And he's like, Nope, we're just going to pretend this never happened. <laughs> and I feel like if I was in Iceland, uh, <clears throat> and I like hit magma or something, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. So I should say another, just another uh, plug about the Iceland thing is that they were specifically targeting to drill scientific wells that with the hope of getting very close to magma. So it was super, oh, okay. super hot and high pressure. So they would get super critical conditions where the there's, incredible amounts of energy compared to conventional geothermal steam. So uh, they were trying to get close to the magma body, but they ended up just poking into it. Going a little too, too close. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah. But uh, to my knowledge, that has not happened in New Zealand. It's a bit of a different geologic environment uh so mm-hmm. yeah, i we, just i i know i get that question a lot from my students like why would you drill into a side of a volcano it's like well yeah. you know there's lots of stuff that go into it yeah. they're not just eh, let's put it all here <laughs> let's, yeah and let's see how far we can go <laughs> and in 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 new zealand actually the uh, uh you know historically what has happened is the uh, not understanding geologic conditions uh, below the drill pad and in the olden days of geothermal you know you, you would just drill your well right next to a hot spring or a geothermal feature such as a fumarole or steaming ground because you know that's seems pretty like a pretty good idea mm-hmm. but actually what can happen when you drill next to those is that the the shallow aquifer is basically uh this at boiling point conditions so similar to the way a geyser works is that that water in a chamber is filled and any amount of depressurization allows that water to immediately boil and then want to rise to the surface because it's uh, changing from a water to steam. And so what has happened is, uh, you know, you, you're drilling very shallow and you can get a, a shallow steam kick or, or uh, a boiling event where that water flashes and turns to steam and comes up in the well. And in that case, you know, you would see steam at the surface and it would be quite dangerous yeah i'd say so yeah I'd say that <clears throat> that's bad right yeah i've yeah. never heard that term before steam kick i like it yeah so that's a yeah that's a it's not like a up. blowout with oil and gas like this is just steam yeah it's the same concept is that that when you're saying blowout you basically the pressure in the well is higher than what you have control with the with the drilling mud so it and, blows and the drilling mud out I, i'm assuming drilling mud for geothermal is probably slightly different to handle the different temperature regimes or is it, or is it pretty, pretty similar? It's pretty similar. Um, but the biggest thing that they have to do is um, they have to keep the drilling mud cool because you are drilling through really hot rocks. So they have lots of different ways of chilling the mud that they trickle it down in mud waterfalls before it gets circulated back into the, into ah, the well. very cool. Yeah. Oh. So, so Matt, let's let's get back to uh, to bring it back New Zealand a little bit. Um, yeah. What's so what's the what's the geothermal scene in New Zealand like? Is it is, is it pretty hopping? Yeah, geothermal scene in New Zealand is actually uh, pretty strong. Um, uh, New Zealand is was uh, one of the first countries to use geothermal steam to make electricity. Um, brief kind of cool story is that uh, so the Italians were they actually the first people on earth to use steam to make electricity uh and they have uh there's a, a place in tuscany in italy where there's uh you know shallow volcanic rocks that are hot that the unique conditions there that just produces just pure steam under the ground so the italians uh before world war ii had small power plants and they were powering villages and towns um and as you know in world war ii the allies invaded europe so the allies included the united states great britain and New Zealand, many others, Canada, Australia. Um, but the uh, New Zealanders were working their way up through the Italian peninsula. And they came across these geothermal power stations in Italy and said, hey, you know, we have hot springs at home. Maybe, maybe, we, have, maybe we have the same thing the Italians do. Uh, so it was kind of like the inspiration for geothermal in New Zealand. So then after World War II, the Kiwis all came home and country was growing needed electricity and so then the government started investing in 
uh, geothermal drilling and built power stations. So the first geothermal power station in New Zealand was commissioned in 1958. That's that's incredible. That's a great story. story. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go allies. (laughs) Yeah. World Um, War II bringing us nothing but joy. (laughs) And so, so New Zealand is a New Zealand's a bit different than 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 the the Italian (laughs) scenario. So, in New Zealand, was the first place where they were taking reservoir fluid that was just liquid and drilling a well into it. And then because that liquid is kilometers under the ground, there's lots of pressure, you know, uh, the density of a column of water is rho GH. So density times the gravity constant times the height and uh, does quite a bit of pressure down there. So you drill a well and that's connected to the surface, which has zero pressure at the surface. So you allow that water to flow into the well. It flows just like an artesian aquifer would. So it's falling from high pressure to low. And as it's coming in, because it's hot and because of the thermodynamic properties of water, which are quite unique, it flashes into steam. So they're actually taking hot water, allowing it to depressurize, harnessing that steam and then putting it through the, the power cycle. So that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have to talk about geothermal if you guys don't want. We can do no. New Zealand geology. No, I mean, it, 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 that's, that's really cool stuff, man. It all, it all, I think it all, all kind of ties in. Yeah. So, um, I guess, uh, so, so, so what's, uh, I guess in terms of New Zealand, um, mm. what, what are the, let's, let's talk about the mountains in New Zealand. Cause they got, okay. New Zealand has some pretty amazing mountains, as you said, like, uh, you know, obviously Hollywood has, has taken advantage of, of the mm. scenery. And, uh, so what, uh, now let's see the, we got what are the what are the different mountain ranges? There's there's is there like was it two distinct set of mountain ranges in New Zealand? Cal- or th- Caledonia, because uh, there's the the Southern Alps, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, what else do we got in New Zealand? So the so I guess I'll break it down by you know geomorphic province because each okay. all these big mountain ranges probably have a bunch of smaller ones that are mm-hmm. different faults or different rock types, sure. but. So on the South Island is the Great Alpine Fault. So it's the right lateral strike slip fault. But uh, I never finished the story. Sorry. But as you, go on, <laughs> as you go on strike, as you go on strike of the Alpine Fault, if you come down to the south end of the South Island, subduction starts again. But okay. surprise, subduction is happening in the opposite direction. So down there, the Australian plate is subducting beneath the Pacific plate. And so you have New Zealand is basically two subduction zones on the North and South shoving the country in it's crushing it. And then accommodating that crush in the middle is a right lateral strike slip fault. So it's kind of a scissors action. And uh, just a quick shout out to uh, Dr. Meyer from Temple university geology department. He's the introduced me to the concept of New Zealand scissor tectonics uh, many, many years ago when I was a, when I was a young student. And then it's one of those things where someone tells you, and then it doesn't really make sense until 15 years later. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> you, you find yourself there and you're like, now I know what you're oh, talking about. Yeah. So, I was way off. <laughs> so anyway, so what's happening is because of that crushing action on both sides, the mountains are uplifting quite quickly. So it is a strike slip fault, but, you know, uh, faults can change direction. And then depending on the way that fault striking, sometimes you can get pop-up blocks or you can get extending basins. And you guys can probably 
talk all about that. But the Southern Alps are the result of that along that strike slip fault, intense, rapid uplift of mountains. So these are really, really young, tall mountains. That's um, incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got the rate. Can I, this is where, can I, can I bring my numbers in? Do it. Bring them. So I, I looked up the rates real quick. So um, in the, in the Miocene into the Pliocene, so like whatever the Miocene was 5 million to 2 million, I think was Miocene to Pliocene. Uh, it, it maxed out at like five millimeters a year, which is, you know, it's all right. But from the Pleistocene to the recent, it, the the upper rate that I've got here from this and this this paper was in uh, Ge- Ge- Geological Society of London. Uh, it's old too, so take it with a grain of salt. It's from the early '80s, but they're looking at 14 millimeters a year, <clears throat> and just using 14 millimeters a year, you're you're looking at something. Um, you know, just I'm going to convert it to imperial here. That's 14 millimeters is half an inch or 0.6 inches. And so per year, so over a thousand years, that's 45 feet. Holy cow. Yeah. Which, you know, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's not, that's not too bad. But if you do a million years, so the Pleistocene 1.8 to two, depending on which time scale you're using, um, you know, just for 1 million years, at that rate is 45,000 feet, which is more, more than Mount Everest. You know, that's eight yeah. miles yeah. over eight miles of, yeah. of uplift. It's an so, insane rate. So on that erosion rate, you know, you're, you're uplifting these mountains and then New Zealand is an island out on its own. And to the West is the Tasman Sea. So you get these big, big storms and rain events that come through and in the winter snow. So you get accumulating snow, turns to ice, turns to glaciers. So intense erosion action happening. And basically on the east side of the Southern Alps is a geomorphic province called the Canterbury Plain. So the Canterbury Plain is just this massive alluvial basin that's formed as a result of all these rivers that are connected to glacial lakes, which are connected to glaciers. So there's this, this constant sediment supply that's always pushing it out. So uh, the Canterbury Plain is, is a really fertile agriculture area that's on the east half of the South Island. Hmm. And hence, back to, back to the earthquake. So it's young sediments with shallow water table, and then you shake it because these faults are constantly rupturing, and it's just a, a, a recipe for geologic hazards. Yeah. Man, it sounds like there's a lot going on. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty full on. And if yeah. you ever look at if you ever look at pictures of the New Zealand, the lakes in the Southern Alps, uh, they're just this incredible light blue color because of all the sediment in them that's mm, sure. basically scattering the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're just really really picture- picturesque. Nice. I didn't realize that's why I I can picture those lakes in my head, and I didn't realize that's the reason. Actually, I think for the tourism ads, they dump a certain uh, color in there to make <laughs> ah, a little, little Photoshop action. Going nah, on. just kidding. They don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but, probably get in trouble for saying that. Like the kick you out, man. For St. Patty's Day when it turns green. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the interesting fact that I learned about New Zealand, you know, uh, I'm going to say weeks ago as I was studying up for this, not 
an hour before the podcast. But uh, there's shield volcanoes on the southern island. Yep. And then, which you would typically associate with kind of like a, I guess, a hotspot? Hotspot or divergent. Right. Divergent, or you could get that as they're just little leftover remnants of uh, a a former subduction zone. Yeah. Um, And and it's just, you know, usually when you... When you have a region, you have a typical type of volcano. Like up in the north, you have you know your um, composite cinder cones, you know, and then but then down in the south, they have some of these shield volcanoes, and it blew my. I was like, I, it, how do you have two different types of volcanoes in the same region? Now again, New Zealand is. Uh, Matt was saying before the uh, we started recording, if you went from Maine it stretches all the way down to almost South Carolina or, or to South Carolina. So that, that is a big difference. So, mm. um, but yeah, I just, I, I thought that was incredible. Yeah. And then another cool fact about volcanoes is the city of Auckland, which is, you know, further West from it's to so Auckland is the biggest city in New Zealand. I think it's something like just over 2 million people. Uh, it's on the North Island, but it's actually located west of the main volcanic belt on the North Island where, you know, where the subduction zone gets to the depth that the mag, the, the rocks are able to melt. I think that's called Benioff zone or something like that. Well, um, so the Benioff zone is <clears throat> Benioff Watati. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it's the, you can see the angle of subduction from the okay. depths. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Auckland is um, it's built on top of a basically recently active basaltic volcanic field so the the auckland is if you if you look at it in just google maps and you go into terrain mode you can see the city all around the city are just these little cinder cones and it makes a for a really cool landscape and the there's one very young volcano out in the harbor it's called uh rangitoto island and you know it was erupting just a couple of hundred years ago so it was witnessed by uh, Maori people who were living in Auckland before the Europeans arrived. Uh, so it's pretty cool. It's a, it's the biggest city in New Zealand, and it's sitting on top of potentially active volcanic zone. Oh, jeez! Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, take that, Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's and it's probably those those basaltic, you know, volcanic eruptions would be preempted by you know seismic activity and things. Right. But you you can look mm-hmm. on so the the USGS equivalent of in New Zealand is called uh, GNS. Uh, it's geological and nuclear science, um, but oh, they, they have them all together. Okay. They have some really cool uh, specific web pages, and you can look at the uh, the Auckland volcanic field and see what their their plan is and that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you look right now in New Zealand, the big haps is uh, the America's Cup, so it's a big sailboat race, and uh, so it's just these picturesque, these really fancy sailboats. And they're sailing out in the harbor. And then every so often you get a shot of Rangitoto Island. So it's just this beautiful little cinder cone covered in trees. And it's uh, as a geologist, you see that as like, oh, that is a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, all right. What's a uh, personal question here? Ooh. Here we go. Getting in-depth, <laughs> intimate with Matt Sophie here. What's your astrological sign? Yeah. <laughs> no, what's so what's your favorite area of New Zealand? Like, what do you and, think? Like, prettiest, 
prettiest landscape like i get like what's the area because this is like the area that you know everyone's mm. just like holy crap this place looks mm. like you know like narnia like what mm. is, there, is there any particular place that jumps out of your mind that you've seen uh well i guess i should premise it which is you know i've only been in new zealand a year so i haven't seen everything mm-hmm. and there are a lot of places that are probably pretty beautiful that some of the listeners would correct me you know but uh what's well, personally it's just as you know whatever you think this is you know there's no right or wrong answer yeah yeah so what i would say um for me the most beautiful part of new zealand is uh it's an area called the coromandel peninsula so you can okay. google that and uh so it's on the north island um and it's actually geologically it's the remnants of the subduction zone and associated volcanic arc so it's this that volcanic belt has moved a bit east in modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a really rugged peninsula with mm. lots of forests and extinct volcanoes. Um, there's a like long history of gold mining. There's a very famous gold mine there called Waihe Gold Mine. Um, and then, but the beaches are just fantastic. Like That's what I'm looking at go, right now. Yeah. yeah, just fantastic beaches, man. So what's it looks like? I'm looking at these uh, pictures of like the like the sea cliffs. Yeah. And it almost looks like it's like limestone or chalk. Huh. It's like uh, so rock, those, I mean, I, I, I'm just looking at a picture and it just looks pure white. So yeah. what's 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 going on there? Um, it could be. You know, I'm, I, I'm not a okay. geologic expert of the Coromandel, but I would suspect it's either some kind of uh, pyroclastic rocks from okay. the volcanics mm-hmm. or it could be recent uh, shore deposits that are uplifted because the because of that active subduction the islands are both always in a state of uplift and erosion. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This looks beautiful. My, I, I had no idea about this, uh, about this area. Yeah. On the tourism yeah. board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, there's a famous beach there that they, they film, film uh, heaps of movies there, but I would say, I guess I should say that the beaches for me as an American, uh, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, we would go to the beach, you know, one week out of the year to, we'd mm-hmm. go to New Jersey and New Jersey is a very nice beach. Um, but it's, you know, it's a passive margin. So they're just big, you know, long coastal plains, but in New Zealand, it's typically pretty rugged coastline. And uh, because there's just not that many people, there's only 5 million people in the entire country. You usually get the beach to yourself and, you know, it's just really cool. That's amazing. Hey, so I got another question about New Zealand and, mm. um, and just, just kind of doing a little bit of uh, research work for this. Yeah, I've been I've been reading that the backbone of New Zealand is made of gray wacky, mm-hmm. gray wacky sandstone. So, um, what is that? Is that all just kind of that's all just stuff like related from the volcanics, basically? Or I, I was I was also reading there's like a lot of like there's some turbidites that are mixed it's in there. Accreted like, terrain, right? Yeah, that's not a creed. It's just it's whatever is getting yeah, shoved up. Uh, on the subduction zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, the the gray wacky is the the probably the most common bedrock in New Zealand. And how about that? I was not expecting. Yeah, that's, what I, what I, that's kind of crazy thinking yeah. about gray wacky. Well, good. I mean, you you know you know that shale is the most common rock type on Earth, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. yeah, it's not sexy, but it gets the job done. You know, <laughs> you heard it first right here. <laughs> Uh, there's there's somebody out there yelling right now. I think shale is sexy. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> now everybody's going to hate me. <laughs> I think we have we have a new T-shirt design. Shale. It's not sexy, but it gets the job done. <laughs> you know, Shale is the new sexy, I guess. You know, Shale is, Shale is actually a really important rock. Yeah, um, it's future. Absolutely. Future slate. Yeah, and it yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and or oil um, and gas reservoirs. Well, I wasn't gonna go there. You know, oh, yeah. I wasn't gonna go there. Um. Anyway, I'm trying to think of some other cool facts that I had to point out. Uh, so we talked about the Alpine Fault. We talked about geothermal. We talked about Auckland volcanic field. So have you experienced any earthquakes in the one year since you've been out there? Yeah, yeah. You feel them. Uh, some little ones like twos and threes. Okay. Um, yep. Actually, we no, spoken and, like a Californian. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, just twos and threes. Well, actually, and 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 where where we are, so I live. I guess I should have said this. I I live in a town called uh, Taupo, and so it's uh, right next to a big caldera lake with the same name, Lake Taupo. You can look it up. It's the biggest lake in New Zealand. It's in the middle of the North Island. Yeah, it looks pretty. It's beautiful. Um, so we do get uh, earthquakes, but. Uh, not anything like the, the the further south you go. So Wellington is always having uh, bigger earthquakes, and um, same with the, the South Island as well. So um, yeah, but yeah, twos and threes will definitely. Uh, sometimes you can sleep through them. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they'll wake you up. Just depends. And Tapo was a big caldera, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a series of big ignimbrite, uh, you know, massive super volcano type eruptions, Yellowstone scale. Uh, and so the lake in its current shoreline is the coalescence of several of those uh, volcanoes erupting on different structural margins and things. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I, I don't actually know the most recent of the eruptions is probably <laughs> I should know that. But quite, last quite erupted eighteen hundred years ago. Thank you. Man, they got a bunch of thermal pools out there. Like it, it looks kind of like like the, the pools at least look a little Yellowstone-esque. With like the um, kind of that like uh, that, that green color and then the orange rim around the around the lakes and stuff like it looks really really pretty. My gosh. Yeah, yeah. And and what's cool about New Zealand is uh, so the, you know that there is a lot of geothermal uh, energy that's been developed here. So mm-hmm. when you develop a geothermal system, you are redistributing the pressure. This is how I say it. So you're taking you're moving water around, you're pulling it out in some locations and re-injecting it in others. So it, it can have some effect on the thermal features, hot springs, fumaroles and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what has happened in New Zealand is some of the geothermal systems are protected and they'll be protected uh, forever. So they're basically preserved in their what would be natural state. So you can go and visit some of these sites, which is really cool. Uh, the one, Probably the most, two of the most famous features in New Zealand are one is called the Champagne Pool. So this is the one that Chris is talking about. So it's a, it's a hot spring and then it's, uh, it's got a bunch of uh, bacteria, extremophile type bacteria that are doing oxidation and reduction in the lower temperature waters on the rim of the lake and uh, make this beautiful orange color. And then there's also a really famous geyser that's in a town about an hour north of uh, Taupo called Rotorua. And that geyser, uh, it's constantly erupting. It's just a a beautiful sight that you can see it when you drive into town. Pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, it says that eruption 1,800 years ago, uh, 1,800 years ago, was the most violent the world has experienced in the last 5,000 years. So I guess more violent than... um, Tambora? Tambora, yeah. 
wouldn't want to be around for one of those. No, no, you definitely want to. Yeah, get get some distance mm-hmm. between yourself and the volcano for that. You're yeah. living next to it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to read off a couple of stats that I had written down. These oh. don't have anything to do with geology, but they're New Zealand stats. I love. Stats. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we ready? Wait, hang on. Did you write all these down on a Word document? I did. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Look at this segue. Yeah. <laughs> so for all you out there who need uh, help troubleshooting anything that comes to a word related document, um, please check out the formatting formula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. They have uh, on the YouTube videos, they have all different kinds of videos for all, even older versions of word too. Um, on how to do stuff, how to do headers, how to do footers, how to do, how to insert figures and have the text wrapped around it or how to, you know, set up your bookmarks, all all that stuff. Um, You could, you could teach yourself from the YouTube videos, or you can just go to formattingformula.com email them or, you know, send in a request, say like, I have this issue, you know, and they, they are fantastic. Um, but even more important than that, make sure you tell them the geology flannel casting because let's face it, that's where they get most of their businesses from this podcast. So <laughs> I, I'm sure they're the, the formatting formula people are like, wait, what? <laughs> you heard right. it here first yeah all right maybe maybe not half of their customers but either way it should um, also be known that steve is not a statistician either so I mean, <laughs> that's true math is not my forte uh, neither is numbers. word and i i don't need it to be because i have people for that now formattingformula.com just running the numbers quick all of their customers come from us. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. You heard it here first, folks. So <laughs> check them out, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Don't forget to tell them the geology flannel cast in you. So, uh, Thanks, Matt, for that awesome segue yeah. with your stats written down on a Word document. feel like you didn't even realize you were being drawn into that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so used. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, right. uh, yeah, a few facts. Okay, here we go. Um, so the largest city is Auckland, North Island, 1.7 million people, uh, built on top of a you know cinder cone volcanic field. Capital is Wellington, uh, 415,000 people. The airport is actually built on top of a uplifted seabed that uh, occurred during an earthquake in the 1800s. And it's also maybe one of the most beautiful capital cities that I've ever seen. I would highly recommend just a quick Google of Wellington Harbor. Uh, Christchurch, the largest city on the South Island, 380,000 people. We talked about those two terrible earthquakes, 2010 and 2011. Uh, So here's some other uh, population stats. So 68,000 kiwi birds estimated in New Zealand. So kiwi birds, flightless bird. It's kind of the national symbol of New Zealand. They're really cool little creatures. There's different varieties of them, but um, How do they they've taste? had a uh, they've had a bit. They've had a rough run because uh, you know you probably want to bring an ecologist on to talk about the ecology of New Zealand. But because it was a continent basically separated from everything else for millions of years, it developed its own uh, animal population, and so these. Mm-hmm. Kiwi birds were flightless. They're kind of like chickens on the ground. And when predators came here, mostly rats and weasels, they would eat their eggs. So it would destroy their population. So oh. 
Kiwi birds are on the mend, but uh, they're a cool symbol of New Zealand. Um, 6.1 million dairy cows in New Zealand. Right. So milk is one of the top exports of New Zealand. It gets shipped to overseas markets. Wait, uh, so there's dairy. more cows than people? More cows than people. And wait for the next stat. Ooh. All right. Well, 20, 26 million sheep. I was going to say, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought sheep were big. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wool is, you know, sheep, sheep can grow or sheep can live in pretty rough, rugged, dry conditions. So in the mm-hmm. South Island, the east side of the Southern Alps is often a rain shadow. So it's really dry, rugged country. And so sheep do pretty well there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, New Zealand wool products are some of the best in the world. Uh, I have some fun facts about New Zealand. Um First country to see the sunrise, apparently. Oh, but I guess it's arbitrary, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just had a I, while you were finding those while you're reading those stats off. I was like, I, mm. I gotta find a way if I can. I had. You know? I have just. I have two more. So, um, oh, okay, good. To just to bring sports, just a little sports tidbit. So the 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 most popular sport here is uh, rugby. Uh, and there's, you know, different codes of rugby, different rules. So if the rugby that's played here in New Zealand is called rugby union, you can look it up. Um, but the, uh, the, the national teams of New Zealand, the men's team are called the all blacks, quite famous, um, you they're know, all blacks, good. they're quite good. Um, they've won the rugby world cup three times, um, that they're called the all blacks because they wear just very plain black uniforms. And then, uh, before their matches, they do a traditional Maori dance, which is called the haka. Mm-hmm. It's pretty moving experience. So I would definitely suggest looking it up if you haven't already seen it. But the women's rugby team, known as the Black Ferns, they have run won the Rugby World Cup five times. Whoa. And oh. uh, incredibly successful. Um, so, yeah. That's now, my sports facts. Uh, this is just my American Steve speaking. How mm-hmm. often is the rugby world cup? Is it like the soccer world cup where it's every four years? Uh, I might need to check that. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, so I, I sort of follow it a bit. Um, <clears throat> Cause I, uh, I follow Wales every four years. Yeah. Yeah. And they're playing in the Six Nations right now. They play tomorrow. They play England. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, I feel like New Zealand is always just. How, how have I not known this about you? That you I don't follow know. rugby. I, I keep it on the back. This has never come up before. I don't never. know. Keep it on the back burner. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like New Zealand always just smokes people. Yeah. Just, mm, they do. But, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Kiwis are quite good at rugby for considering the size of the country and that just everybody plays it here. I guess uh, to add on to your little stat about uh, more animals than humans in uh, in New Zealand, only 5% of the entire living population of New Zealand is human. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know how they came with that. This, this is kind of funny. Um, there's one more I went to. You're never more than 128 kilometers from the coast in New Zealand. Yep. Wow. Mm. And yep. Uh, oh, no snakes in New Zealand. Have you noticed that since being there? Yep. <laughs> other other New Zealand facts. New Zealand was the first country to give women the right to vote. Cool. Oh, good for that. And we have a pretty famous prime minister right now, Jacinda Ardern. She's, uh, she's yeah. She she's uh, no joke. 
she's doing very well. She just was reelected. Well, her government was reelected uh, last October. So she's doing cool. pretty well. Nice. Yeah. Um, that, that's pretty cool. That's like being like a, an hour from the shore everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I was saying like growing up in Pennsylvania, you know, you just, you, you just going to the beach is a treat, but in New Zealand, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, whatever, you know, just yeah, do it yeah. easy. So, you know, who else likes the beach is the penguins in New Zealand and New Zealand is home to New Zealand has more species of penguin than anywhere else in the world. Huh. How about how do you guys, how would you guys think a Kiwi would say penguins? Maybe you guys. Oh, no. Pronunciation. Oh, geez, here we go. So weird. <laughs> penguin. <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> Pe- I got nothing. Pe- I don't know. I don't for peen and queenie. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds like we should censor that word out. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking it was like an offensive version of an Italian accent. Yeah. So uh, you want to learn some more about me. Uh, my favorite Here. animal is. Oh, your favorite animal is the penguin. Yeah. Your spirit animal. Ah, my spirit animal is probably a moose. I feel like I'm more of a but my favorite animal. Yeah. Mm. I remember we were we were on a trip years ago uh, for a, a conference up in uh, New Hampshire, and remember we were just like we saw those moose uh, the moose signs, we just yeah. waiting waiting to see a moose, but nothing, 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 not a single moose that whole. The whole two times we were up in New oh, Hampshire, that it. was that was cold. It um, was cold. That was yeah, yeah. So so, uh, is there no like snake whacking day? Because there's no snakes? snakes. I don't think so. I mean, uh, there's Australia's got the snakes. Mm. If you no know snakes, like you just be frolicking through the 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 tall bushes and shorts and no shoes on. That's what everybody says. But, you know, um, I've come across wild pigs several times on my bicycle and you got to be, you know, you got to be mindful of that. Let Um, me tell you, I grew up with a pig and they are just mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was a domesticated pig. Yeah. 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 Jesse, Jesse had a pet pig and a pet rabbit that were best friends. Yeah. Bubba and Toots. Right. <laughs> you are definitely from Pottsville, man. <laughs> and then, yeah, oh, when- I can't wait for the Bubba and Toots podcast. <laughs> and when- I don't think Bubba and Toots are with us anymore, but <laughs> no. And when Toots died, Bubba became mean. He was just—he was a was- grumpy old man because his buddy died. Was Bubba the pig, or was Toots yeah, the pig? Bubba was the pig. Yeah, and- Bubba, okay. Bubba would try and he would try and chomp you. Oh, and if a pig bites you, like it's no joke. Mm. You, you know, my mom, my mom, her hand got bit the one time, and you know she needed stitches and Ooh. the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Um. Anything else, Matt? About any fun facts about New Zealand? I mean, that's that's. I think that's the extent. We covered, of we covered, a, we covered a lot of stuff, yeah. man. I mean, we, we covered did. the tectonic. Well, I, I really, I, I want this to be the launching point, you know, because I've only been here a year, so I'm not an expert. But you know, just questions and things, you know, just pop them in there wherever you guys have your chat forum, and then, yeah, just get inspired. Yeah, you can check us out at geologyflannelcast.com. Listener questions. Oh yeah, how do they say penguin? Sorry, uh, everybody's waiting I, on the edge of the seat. I think they would say pe- penguins. 
Penguins. Penguins. Penguins. Penguins. How's oh, your yes. New Zealand accent? Oh, you, you, that's right. not happening. So I've, I've looked it up. I've looked it up quite a bit. So I think a lot of, you know, your cultural identity and the accent that you speak with is pretty much cemented, you know, before your early teens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think I'll ever get a New Zealand accent for however long it is that I stay here. I think you just um, need to watch more Flood of the Concords. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we do want to talk a bit about New Zealand culture, Flight of the Concords is a great, uh, great television series. And then two of my favorite New Zealand movies uh, are one is called Whale Rider. I would highly recommend that. It's like a really inspiring story about a girl growing up to become the leader of her village. And then uh, the second movie that I would recommend is called The Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, uh, it's, yeah. it's starring the gentleman from uh, Jurassic Park. He's actually a Kiwi guy. Yeah, um, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. And uh, yeah, Sam just, Neil was New Zealand. How about yeah. that? Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. It's a, just a it's a hilarious movie. It's the director is yeah. Taika Waititi. He's a pretty famous guy. He most recently directed uh, Jojo Rabbit. So. Yeah, he does. Does he do like Marvel? Did he do something Marvel movie too, or something? I think he did one of the Thor films. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Do you, do you know who else was a well, another famous New Zealand resident, Sir Edmund Hillary, the first person to summit yeah. Mount Everest? Ah, yeah. look at that. He was. And where did he cut his teeth? The Southern Alps. Mount Cook. Yeah. Yeah. So he um, was actually the second person. Uh, oh, uh, it's uh, Tenzing Norgay. Yeah, was the first person. First person. I have a yeah. You you were talking about getting your accent. I know people um, who have, you know, done like a summer abroad when they were kids, and they come back with like British accents. I'm like, what? You've lived in Delaware County your whole life. Are you, now all of a sudden you're British. <laughs> so, so, but but I think you're right, Matt. There is something to it as to when yeah. in your life you actually start hearing yeah. that. Uh, yeah. There, there's a new HBO series coming out, and um, <clears throat> Kate Winslet is in it, and she had to learn a Delco accent for this role because <laughs> it's filmed in Delaware County, and yeah. she said it made her so angry. <laughs> This Delco accent that she actually started to throw stuff. <laughs> I I love Bradley Cooper's uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania accent, man. Yeah. His is uh, his is a classic. Uh, but to Kate Winslet's credit, she did say that Wawa is now a big part of her life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a solid, of- it's a solid convenience store, man. Like it's yeah. I yeah, know. I mean, I- we can talk. We, we don't have to talk about Wawa, but those soft pretzels are just. Um, yeah. How many cheesesteaks do you have out in, uh, out in New Zealand? Not many. Um, <laughs> That's a business not many. Right there. Yeah, right there. Not many. You but, out- you know, one of the one of the most popular foods here is the Kiwis love meat pies. So just like, uh, you know, if you go to the UK, so it's a savory pie crust you know, a nice handheld package. And one of the most popular flavors is mince and cheese. So it'd be ground beef and cheese or steak and cheese. So it's basically oh, yeah. a Philly cheese, Philly cheese steak lie. and a pie, you know? You're making me hungry. They <laughs> love them. They love yeah. them. I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. We, Let's start a meat pie franchise. We should. You would do well. And done. <clears throat> we should get the... We should get the New Zealand Tourism Board to start sponsoring us here. Yes. We should. Fly Seriously. us in to immerse us. Yes. Mm. I'll quarantine for two weeks in a hotel. Yeah. yeah. And we may or may not pay the bill. 
Well, all right. I think that uh no, I, I like it. Note. Seriously, all we have to do is pay for the plane ticket, and then it sounds like we get two weeks free food and let's board. get the offer first, all right? Let's before Damn. we start figuring this out. Three 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 hots and a cot. That was the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three hot meals and a and a cot to sleep on. There you go. Well, all right. Matt, thank you so much for uh for hanging out with us today. This is a blast. Uh yeah, you know, catching up with you and uh talking. Talking New Zealand geology, man. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on again. Um, you're up there. You and you and Kelly Blake are uh, tied for the most appearances on the Geology Flannelcast. So yeah. Oh, so man. Kelly, if you're listening, just you, you got know. some competition, Kelly. I'm yeah. just I'm just saying you, know. you better up your game. Uh, Kelly also <laughs> is a geothermal <laughs> expert. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, right. I guess we're biased. I don't, you guys I don't have know. you guys have a type. You like the <laughs> you like the yeah. geothermalists. <laughs> we do. So well, thank you again, Matt. Uh, always yeah. a pleasure. Anytime you want, open invite. Come back on the show. We love you, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to the podcast. Uh, Check out geologyflannelcast.com. We'll post post links that we've mentioned on the uh, on the podcast up there on the website or under the, the episodes. Um, so if you have any geology questions that you'd like to answer eventually, um, we every once in a while we'll have a listener questions episode. So you can email us your your these burning geology questions that keep you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, but um, if you want to move to the front of the line, you could always become a Patreon member. Hmm. Because if you get to if a you, certain tier of the Patreon membership, Topaz you, get to, member? you get to request a request subject a whole episode. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so also, what else? Uh, yeah. So if you'd like to help out the podcast, uh, you can uh, help us out on on Patreon. Uh, we have several different tiers of uh, uh, of subscribers there, uh, starting as low as uh, two dollars a month. So thank you again for all the people that have uh, helped us out on Patreon. We love yes. you guys. Thank you. Very appreciative. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. We're on Twitter. Twitter. We're at GeoFlannelCast. Um, what's our, what's our Instagram handle? I'm not, I haven't even done the Instagram thing. Or are we just geology funnel cast on Instagram? I think we're, I think so. Yeah, right. I just posted, but. <laughs> we're really up on this stuff. Yeah. Well, I, kids Facebook. these days with the Insta and whatnot. <laughs> mm. I, I took a picture of, of us doing this. I'm going to post it right now. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, nice. but yeah. And, uh, I'm Facebook a regular influencer. Yes. Facebook.com, uh, geology flannel cast. I try to at least update at least when our episodes are in. So, mm. oh yeah, are we gonna do? I think so. <clears throat> we we briefly talked about doing a another little contest, mineral March Madness or something. Ooh, that's right. I, we are I, gonna, coming I up. Th- I was th- I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Vince, and we were trying to work it out. And I was thinking maybe if we do four brackets igneous metamorphic sedimentary mineral who is the ultimate rock oh we pit them all against each other and then what people vote people vote yeah we'll do go through the rounds and people vote and the winner will obviously be anthracite coal (laughs) (laughs) cinderella story cinderella story out of pottsville pennsylvania (laughs) let's pick the rock that has no minerals in it all right that's (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, no beautiful. yeah so that's wow. a little teaser there you know get, get your brains working um and we will get that bracket up 
All right. And, and thanks for Steve. Steve's got COVID right now, but he yes. is hanging in there. Just, you know, yeah. he's a trooper. Uh, mm. You know, if this is my last episode, I appreciate everybody. I love y'all. <laughs> mm. um, this was Matt Sophie's job interview. <laughs> so <laughs> the Goodbye, look, Steve. The look, the, the look on Sophie's face. Right now. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> I'm not doing this every week. <laughs> He's good. Once every six years, he's good. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening for the whole episode. We love you guys. And we'll see you again with another action-packed episode next week of the Premier Geology Podcast. Thanks a lot. Tell a friend if you like us. And uh, check you later. Stay safe out there, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks.